Star Wars, give me those Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars, don't have that Hello and welcome to another episode of Give Me Those Star Wars, the official Star Wars show of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Daly, and I had almost completely forgotten about this podcast until Siskoid reminded me of it by starting a new show called Gimme That Star Trek on this very network. Aside from the crippling fear of being overshadowed by a spin-off podcast, even if Siskoid's show is really, really good, what else could spur me into recording a new episode? Why, of course, it's the brand new trailer for Rogue One, A Star Wars Story that just dropped yesterday. Here to help me break this trailer down is the host of Council of Geeks and the 90s Comics Retrial podcast, along with the brand new Punch Like a Girl podcast. Also, once upon a time, he was my co-host on the Temple of Doom cast, Listeners, please welcome Nathaniel Wayne to the show. Hello, Nathaniel. Hey there. You know, for, for how many times you had me on Dead Bots and Spies, which was the precursor to this, this is the first time you've got me on a proper episode of this thing. I, I was going to say, actually, we, you know, we've got a brand new movie to discuss, but before we even get to that, we need to hear what is your history with Star Wars, because you have explained that on a different podcast that was Star Wars themed, but this is your first, as you said, first proper appearance on Give Me Those Star Wars. So how and when did Star Wars come into your life? I don't even remember. Okay. That is how long it has been in my life. I was too young to have seen, I wasn't even born when the first movie came out. So I was too young to see any of these in the theaters. But my uncle was an early adopter of cable and HBO. And he recorded for my mother, who is a Star Wars fan, all three movies when they showed on HBO. So, you know, at a time when the idea of actually buying a proper VHS release was cost prohibitive for most people, I had all three Star Wars movies on recorded VHS, and I grew up on these movies. I was probably three the first time I saw these. I I don't have any memory of the first time I saw these. That's how ingrained they are. What were some of your favorite aspects or elements of the movies? Like, Well, they've kind of changed over time. When I when I was little, I obviously gravitated a lot towards the whiz bay. I, I always really liked all the star fighting and the piloting and the dog fighting was actually what I gravitated to more than anything else, even more than, you know, the lightsabers and, and everything else. I remember, like, being a little kid and being taken to, to see the 4th of July fireworks and laying on my back on... Um, you know, like on a blanket in the grass and seeing the fireworks and imagining that I was had control of those guns in the Millennium Falcon and each explosion was a TIE fighter that I blew up. <laughs> so that was sort of my big thing. Um, I, I, I gravitated towards a lot of the outlandish tech. I really loved the Imperial Walkers, which is what I'm always going to call them because AT-AT sounds stupid. And in the movies, that's all they called them, which I suppose is the other thing worth mentioning is that as much as I love these movies and they have always been a part of my life, I'm a movies guy. I never got into the expanded universe, the the tie-in stuff, the comics, the not. No, it's always been the movies for me. And as much as I love them, that's kind of where it begins and ends for me. It's a good thing that we're talking about a movie again. Well, yeah. Yeah. So getting into Rogue One specifically, before we analyze and dissect the new trailer, can you say before this morning at around 7.30 or 8 o'clock when it dropped on the eastern of the United States, before that, what would you say were your expectations going into the movie? 
Um, they have been dropping. They've been going up and down for about a year. The first trailer I had, I didn't love, but didn't see anything that made me concerned. I liked the feel of it. I liked the scope of it. I loved the cast. Um, I liked a lot of what I was seeing. Then the reshoots happened and I started to get nervous. Now, normally the fact that reshoots happen don't make me nervous. I know enough about movie production to know reshoots are always scheduled. And because we're in this continuous news cycle, particularly in regards to geeky movies, all these websites make a deal out of it. Oh, reshoots. And they make it sound like something's wrong. They're fixing Reshoots always happen. Right. But when the second trailer came out, and really what became a red flag for me was when I saw Forrest Whitaker in the second trailer. Mm -hmm. And he looked completely different. He had, he had completely different hair. Right. Um, wh whether it was his real hair or wig, but like in, the, in that first trailer, he had basically had a shaved head. Right. Now all of a sudden he had this almost Don King looking hair. Yeah. And that in and of itself was not what bothered me, but I saw that and went, oh my God, these are really extensive reshoots because they would have had to have reshot every single scene he appears in and once i realized that i got really nervous and it was much harder for me to dismiss the rumor about the reshoots which was that the desire was to make it more quote unquote star warsy mm. because that's not what i want we have the force awakens we have the number series we have our star warsy star wars movies what i was excited for prior to the second trailer which set off my radar what is it what i was excited for was something that would feel different but be in that universe mm -hmm. because like i said we've got more main saga movies now right. what i want out of these additional movies is i want something like a war movie set in star wars a western set in star wars a chase movie set in star wars heck a, a romantic comedy set in star wars whatever but i want something that feels true to that world but is different and the idea that they wanted to make it feel more like the main series made me very nervous and that was an idea that i dismissed until i saw that second trailer and then it was harder for me to dismiss that i get that i would say my feelings started off a little bit lower on this movie before i saw any footage from it just because of the premise knowing that the story is in effect a prequel of a sort and that it's telling a story that we know how it ends the rebels are going after the planes for the death star I know point Z on that particular mission. Now, there's still a lot that they can show me, but there, there are going to have to be some great characters in this that'll really get me excited. Now, I thought the first teaser trailer was fantastic. Just for getting me excited for something, just the mood, the music, everything that it set up. Like, that's one of the best teasers that I've seen in a long time, I thought. But yeah, I thought the first official trailer... I did notice the differences with Forrest Whitaker, and that did kind of ping that. I was like, okay, they must have reshot a lot for him, at least, unless he's unless his character isn't that big. But just, I, I didn't feel like the first trailer gave me enough of what I needed. It was like, okay, it's a war movie, but it's not really telling me the story or the characters anymore. I, I was excited at the time, and then like the next day after saw that, I felt really underwhelmed. So this has just been a, a movie that I'm like, I'm going to see it. I feel confident that it will be good, but I wasn't pumped for it like I had been for The Force Awakens. Maybe the new trailer will have changed my mind. We will talk about that in a minute. But first, we're going to play a quick promotional break. When we return, Nathaniel and I are going to share our thoughts about the latest and, as I understand it, the final trailer for Rogue One. So don't go away. My name's Nathaniel, and I'm here to tell you about an exciting new podcast. What are you doing? 
Oh, hey, Liz. I'm just recording the, the podcast promo. You're recording the promo for the Punch Like a Girl podcast? Yeah. You. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the hosts. I have more podcast experience. What? You're going to sit there and mansplain to people about a podcast focusing on graphic novels and trade collections with female protagonists? Um, oh. Yeah. Can I at least tell them how it's available on iTunes and Stitcher and at punchlikeagirlpod.wordpress.com? No. Shoot. All right, well, hang on. I'll delete this. We'll try again. That's not delete. That's the button for publish. all that remains to push back the Empire. You think you might be able to help us? When was the last time you were in contact with your father? What is this? It appears he is critical to the development of a super weapon. If my father built this thing, we need to find him. All right. How many do I need? They are requesting a call sign. It's, um... Rogue. Rogue One. The power that we are dealing with here is immeasurable. If the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Hold of this moment. The force is strong. Make ten men feel like a hundred. We'll take the next chance. And the next time. You're rebels, aren't you? Save the rebellion! Save the dream! Okay, people, before we go on, spoiler warnings in effect. We're going to break this trailer down in detail and analyze everything we know about this movie based on the footage that we have seen in this trailer and previous officially released teasers and trailers. Again, if you don't want to hear spoilers, cover your ears and eyes and just bury your head for the next seven weeks or so until the movie comes out. Nathaniel, what did you think about this trailer? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, that is exactly what I needed after the doubts that I was having about this movie. Explain. Okay. This, in the way that it is shot, in the visual style and the tone, does not look like Star Wars. It's not shot in a way that Star Wars movies are shot, but it is steeped top to bottom 
in everything that is Star Wars, in Stormtroopers, in Star Destroyers, in the Death Star, and that gorgeous shot of it looking like it's the moon rising and it's and it's half faded away into the clouds. This this is what I was talking about when I said I want something that feels different but is in that world. What that showed me is exactly that. And, you know, we'll get into more details, but it also showed me a bunch of stuff that I didn't even, I wouldn't have even thought to ask for, but I'm like, ooh, now I want that. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. One of the things I noticed most, and despite the fact that I just said I loved the teaser, this felt like tonally almost the opposite. You know, the teaser just, like, drummed you over the head with, like, the, the powerful Imperial war machine is crushing down and these helpless band of rebels on what is probably going to be a suicide mission. But I felt like between Jin Erso's monologue towards the end, when it sounds like she's talking to her rebels, trying to buck them up, and Forrest Whitaker's lines a little bit, just sort of, it felt like there's this sense of hope and inspiration that they know the odds that they're up against, but they're committed to this, and they're going to defy the odds, and they're going to save the day. So it does feel like a different type of Star Wars movie. It does feel like a a war movie, a militaristic movie, but there's still the sense that we're talking about heroes who do something no other character in the galaxy can do. They're the perfect, they're the people who fit into this adventure. And in that sense, it, it still does feel like it's it's being true to the, to the fantasy roots of Star Wars, even though you would not call this necessarily a fantasy story. It is a different genre. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm liking about, it, and that's the tone that I'm getting from this one. Well, this one, this one gave me the chill down my spine, and that I got from I think it was the first official trailer. In my head, it's the se- it was the second one for mm-hmm. Force Awakens, but it, that one was what started getting me genuinely excited about the Force Awakens because that had the thing where you had Luke's lines, "The Force is strong as my family, right. my father has it, my sister has it." And then it will go to it goes to black and says you have that power too. That gave me a chill down my spine. This one, though not quite as potent, mm-hmm. I did get that chill down my spine, and I got it. And the line that a character says, "Make ten men feel like a hundred. Yeah, that line feels like a perfect encapsulation because it it immediately makes the point we are outnumbered and we are we are so beyond what we can stand up to. But we're gonna make an impact anyways, mm-hmm. and we can we can make them think that we are mighty. Right. And there's this wonderful in that line. It's just this wonderful blend of we're probably not gonna make it, but they will know we've been here. Right. Uh, something else this trailer gives us that hadn't been shown in any of the footage beforehand. But if you were kind of following along the production of the story, you knew that a significant part of the story, at least I was led to believe was this father-daughter relationship. And the fact that Jin's father, played by Mads Mikkelsen, is one of the chief architects of the Death Star, one of the scientists who designed it or helped build the super weapon or something like that, and that his fate is going to be tied into their mission to retrieve this. This this trailer starts off showing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, well, I don't think we've actually seen in a Star Wars movie, with the exception of maybe uh, Ray's Force Vision, we get two different clear, distinct time periods. So there's either going to be a flash forward, like an opening prologue where Jin Erso is a little girl, and then we jump ahead a couple of years, or we're going to see flashbacks mm. where we actually see her as a kid because there there is two distinct time periods shown in this trailer. That's true. You see true. her as a girl talking to her father when it looks like 
the the bad guy, this Commander Krennic, basically comes to to pick up Mads Mikkelsen off of Iceland with his death troopers. <laughs> basically says, "You're coming with us," and they either recruit him or they force him. Basically say, "We'll we'll kill your family or we'll wipe out everything unless you do this for us." That was the vibe I got. Yeah, that he's basically been enlisted, and because he gives her the line, "Everything I do, I do it for you." I think he's <laughs> referencing the Brian Adams song, but. Um, uh. So, but so, anyway, and then we do see him later on, and like when Krennic goes to see him on this other world uh, that looks like an imperial facility or something, where he's got like a different look. So, yeah, I, I'm just I'm I'm fascinated by his career. He's a captivating actor. I love just about everything that I've seen him in. So I'm I'm really excited. Uh, and, and I think when I showed it to my wife, she was like, "He is playing a good guy." Because that was just so baffling to her. <laughs> because there was a there was a tweet that went out right around the time that they announced his casting. It wasn't from him, but it was a, I think it was a comedian, basically tweeting basically a dialogue between Mads Mikkelsen and his agent. And the agent says they want you to be in the new Star Wars. And he says, "Do I get to play a good guy?" And the agent goes, "Um." And Mads goes, "Oh right, my face, voice, etc." <laughs> I was like, eh, "You don't get." To- um, and well, he's going to be the villain in Doctor Strange a month before this movie. So, well, yeah. But um, so, uh, yeah, I was just I was excited to see him, and I'm really interested to see what part that father daughter dynamic will play in the story. That'll be interesting. One of the other things that I saw that really excited me was a lot of stuff at the front end. Like you've got the show, just these Imperial troopers just patrolling the street Mm -hmm. or this panning up shot and there's a star destroyer just looming in the sky i think this might be the film that finally after seven films shows us what it's like to live under the oppression of the empire this is an occupied planet yes city Um, because what we've always gotten when we weren't seeing the empire was we were seeing the rebels mm -hmm. like away on their own base or running away or whatever we've never really seen what it is like for people just to live under the heel of the empire and i think we're finally going to get that you mentioned the glorious beautiful shot of the death star just sort of cresting over the horizon we just see clouds and then you're right it does look like a moon where we only see part of it it's in daylight gorgeous shot uh that might be my favorite shot of the of the trailer but if it's not the other favorite one is an overhead shot of that desert world when we have a small ship and on the ground beneath it a rocky formation that looks like the statue of a Jedi Knight holding a lightsaber that had toppled over at some point. Did you catch that? I actually didn't. I Watch it. That. Okay, let's bring that up again. I gotta okay. point this out to you. Right. This looks like something out of like the Lord of the Rings. Like uh, something that is ancient, like an ancient Jedi statue that was knocked over. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, that's cool. And that's a ship right there, just under the... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So... I completely missed that. Whoa. Yeah, just like the the sense of age and timelessness that, like, whatever planet this was, if they had mammoth, colossal statues to Jedi Knights or something that are now ruined or destroyed or something like that. Well, the the director that they got, Gareth Edwards... I have mixed feelings about most of what I've seen from him because he did the new Godzilla and before that he did a movie called Monsters which was good but got overpraised by people who saw it because it was one of those sort of oh not enough people have seen this things and but despite some issues that I've had with his movies one thing he does really well is visual scale 
I agree. And actually, that I would know. I finally did watch Godzilla, and that was what I liked about it. I thought visually, his look and getting the scale and everything, that, those were great. And I was like, he might be the best cinematographer for a Star Wars movie that I can imagine. Now, my problem with Godzilla had a lot to do with the coherentness of the storytelling, or lack thereof. And when you hear about the reshoots that they're imposing... That also led to the, it's like, well, was the story a mess or I, I don't know. We'll we'll find out. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll see what happens with there, but visually the this yeah. this is gorgeous. Right. The the images of the rebels like running through the jungle. We get so many different landscapes and so many different environments in this one. Just it's it's incredible and all of these different battle sequences. You mentioned how much you love like tech aspects like the AT-ATs and everything or the Imperial Walkers or AT-ATs, depending <laughs> on your preference. We we've seen in previous trailers of like the the rebels just on foot storming them like on this beach planet with the walkers just coming around and just blasting them we get a shot in this one of the atst like the yep. chicken walker basically patrolling the city streets of whatever the planet this is mm-hmm. and then taking them on and well and one of the shots that i re- even you know we talked about the trailer that made me nervous mm-hmm. one of the shots that was really great of that was this tie fighter showing right. up right in front of her because Honestly, this the footage coming out from this movie makes me realize oftentimes with the other Star Wars movies, you don't realize how big some of this stuff is or and, and has to be. Like it never would have occurred to me that a TIE fighter is that big. Well, I I think part of that is just because of the tech we never saw them next to a person in the other movies because of the scale and the way they were always just yeah, out I mean, in space. Yeah, I mean it's it's not know, so. like there were a ton of opportunities right. for the other movies to give but us that sense for, of scale, but right. now that I'm seeing it for the first time it's like that's just kind of nice to have. I also think maybe the merchandising may have played a, an impact on how we view the scale of these things. Like, that's that's true because it, it, our our ability to have them has always been they fit in our hand. Right, right. <laughs> um but yeah, I do. I, I like the size. I like the look of like so many of these things. I'm trying to think what else. Didn't get as much focus on the other ancillary characters. I felt like the other teasers and, and trailers gave us these hero moments with the other members of her crew. They did, but I still like this a lot because I now know why she fits into the story much better. Because right. this starts with them breaking her out. So they're bringing her in because of her connection. Right. Whereas those earlier trailers made it look more like, she just happened to join, and now we're going to follow It's like, okay, no, they have a reason they seek her out. Right. And now that I know how she fits into it, it all makes more sense to me. And the, and it loses that, it loses any chance at, right. at a destiny narrative. Right. She's not destined to leave. No, they sought her out because they need her. Right. Uh, we get a little bit of context for the last shot of the teaser, which is her in what looked sort of like a TIE fighter uniform. Yep. Uh, in this sort of like backlit like Imperial hallway. Well, now we actually see her walking in like an Imperial like uh, like she's got a different type of helmet. It's not a Tie Fighter, but it's some sort of ground what, type of. Thing. Well, it looked like those those guys who were in commands of the uh, of activating the yeah, weapon yeah, yeah, in yeah. the in the first Star Wars. Right. Um, and then we see one of her other crew members. I think it's the Diego Luna character dressed as an officer, an Imperial officer, and they got their droid with him, who, as I understand it, is supposed to be a reprogrammed Imperial security droid. Which this will be interesting that we're getting a a mocap droid, like hero character, because so far, you know, when you think about like C three PO or R two or even BB eight, which a lot of it was CGI, but they did have a practical effect for a lot of those shots. When I think of CGI droids, it's hard not to think of the battle droids from the prequels, and I don't want to think about those. This, the the technology has improved, and the sophistication with how they approach those type of characters has improved so much. 
I don't think he will be a problem. I don't think he will be either. And the thing is, when it comes to Star Wars and CGI, I will always be more okay with CGI droids than I will be with CGI aliens. Mm -hmm. I agree. And then we do get one very brief look of one very cool-looking alien in this, too. I have no idea what that species is, but that's a cool look. Right. We've had very little dialogue or, or lines from our main character, or our main villain, uh, Krennic. He has one line where he's talking about the, the power and he's talking to, okay, here's the other one. We see Vader. Darth Vader. Which Get- I, I get, I love how sparse they're being. We yes. be, he's two shots in this one, uh, one over the shoulder and one coming through this this sort of smoke or this fog. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who's in the suit these days. I'm Because I know David Prowse's health is not great, so it's probably not him anymore. But whoever's in the suit, props to them because the body language of him coming through that smoke, I saw that and went, oh, he's pissed. There's one other shot where... It looks like we're behind an Imperial officer, really close on the back of the head, walking through a group of other Imperial officers and stormtroopers. And it's not our main villain. I don't think it's this Krennic guy, because I think he's in the background. You think it's Tarkin? I think it is. Well, I've that, heard that-, that might be how we get the um, the rumored Peter Cushing Tarkin cameo, because if Krennic's in charge of the project, fair dues, he's dead by the end of this, and they show Tarkin taking over the base. I think specifically he's in charge of security for the project, or something like that. Okay. Like maybe not the the creation of it, he wouldn't be in charge of that, but I think he's in charge of the security, so when there's a threat to it, and the threat to this planes, he, he takes charge on that end. We know, we, we have found out that Forrest Whitaker's character actually originated in the Clone Wars animated series. Which I haven't watched, but I actually kind of like that on premise. I And I like what I read about how he landed there, which wasn't that they were looking for a way to crowbar him in, but that they were writing this thing and they were working on the type of character that they needed. Mm-hmm. And somebody in the organization somewhere realized, hey, you know, we've already got a character like that who was in this show. Any reason we can't use him? No, we can totally do that. Let's do that. And that's cool. I, I like that they're leaning into their embracing. I have watched the first, maybe the first two seasons of Clone Wars, maybe like the first season and a half. I haven't seen his appearances, so I don't know anything really about his character. I know some generalization, but I haven't seen him. I know he's also been brought back in Rebels, but I haven't seen him on that because I only saw the first season of that. So I am still going into this with very little knowledge of his character, but I like the idea that he did originate in a different source and that they are starting to pick up some of these threads. Like, I don't imagine they're going to... They, they wouldn't be foolish enough to make it so that you need that backstory no. for the character. No, 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 no. They're, just, they're, they're smarter than that. Well, what I'm hoping that they'll do is kind of the thing that tends to happen in comic books a lot, mm-hmm. which is that you figure out your story is like, oh, we need a character who, do, who does this, and you look at the stable of existing characters available as like, Okay, well, we have these characters who could do that. Are any of them busy in other stories right now? No? Great, we can use that. And only if none of what you've already got fits them, then you make a new character. Right, right. Yeah, overall, as I said at the beginning, based on the premise alone, I wasn't looking forward to this movie the way I was looking forward to other the saga films or even other like future uh, Star Wars solo or anthology films. But what I've seen so far, especially in this one, I like the look, I like the style, the approach that it feels like it's a part of the Star Wars universe, but clearly a different type of story than what we're used to. Yeah. Uh, and it might, maybe by the time we see it, it will, it won't be as distinct, but I think I'm going to like these characters. I think I'm going to like the story. I'm excited for it. So. Well, I'll say that 
I am now genuinely... I, my stance on this movie, I actually kept forgetting it was coming out this year, before <laughs> this trailer, because people would ask me, like, what movies are you still looking forward to this year? And I'd be like, Doctor Strange and... Uh, and then maybe like three minutes later, I go, oh, that's right, Rogue One. But now I'm like, I'm pumped for this. Um, and because we failed to mention it before, uh, again, much as with the Force Awakens trailer, props to whoever's putting this music together because <laughs> wonderful, haunting, yet still having that distinct, those Star Wars notes. Like, I recognize that theme, but it's been morphed into this other mood. And I just, I love the, and the I music wonder- use. And I wonder if the music will actually be heard in the movie because the music in the trailer for The Force Awakens was not part of the soundtrack. It wasn't. That was just created. Now It was still brilliant. It, it was so good. Um, now, as I understand, I don't think John Williams is scoring this one. No. I think it's it Michael Cuccino. I think maybe the guy who did the Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams Star okay. Trek movies. I think it might be him. I think that's the guy who's doing it. And if that's the case, I think it'll be great. I like the music for those movies. So. He he does good He does good work. All right, Nathaniel, I think that is going to wrap up our discussion. But before you go, you must answer the galactic questionnaire for every guest on Give Me Those Star Wars. And I know you've been waiting for this one because, folks, he's been badgering me to appear on this podcast <laughs> just because he's got answers in the can for these questions that he's been sitting on for a year. First question. Would you rather drive Luke Skywalker's land speeder from Star Wars New Hope or Ray's speeder from The Force Awakens? Ray's speeder. Okay, why? Well, because I'm going to go completely fantasy and I've always liked motorcycles. I've never ridden a motorcycle myself. I never will. I would kill myself. But I like, I just like that. It's that sort of sense like it's just her and this machine, not this, I'm going back for a lazy... Mm-hmm. That's that's too close to my morning commute <laughs> um, with with Luke's speeder. G- give, give me something that feels more just... I'm kind of there really... I, like, I, I, I kind of answer this one the same way, and I think there's something about like the space-floating motorcycle. It, like, I love the speeder bikes in Return of the Jedi. It reminds me a little bit of Tron. It's just something like, yeah, I'm there. All right, second question. Classic Imperial Stormtrooper or First Order Stormtrooper? Um, I actually prefer First Order. Alright. We're going to the Force Awakens territory in the first It, it, it wasn't planned, honestly. As I was thinking about my answers to these questions, I, I was looking at them collectively and going, oh, crap. This really makes me sound like I'm crapping on the original. <laughs> but and, and honestly, part of that might just be I, I've you know, I've lived with the original Stormtrooper stuff for so long and the redesign what completely honored that but didn't break it so it was just more refreshing maybe if you asked me again in a year i'd go back but for right now third question would you rather have a lightsaber or boba fett's jetpack i it's gotta be a lightsaber it just has to be because i know people have said like oh i'd kill myself with a light i would kill myself with a jetpack so much faster than i would kill myself with a lightsaber it would be i it would be very short-lived but you know i i just like the idea that i could have this thing just in my pocket then out of nowhere, <laughs> what'd you say about my mother? <laughs> right. Number four, would you rather live on Tatooine or Dagobah? Tatooine, but only because there's actually civilization there. I would hate both in terms of the nature of the planet. I don't care for a swamp and I don't want that much heat. But there's at least some semblance of a nightlife <laughs> in, in, in Tatooine, as scummy a nightlife as it might be. I would prefer that over 
a hut with snakes moving around my pantry. <laughs> okay. Uh, number five, not counting Boba Fett, who is the coolest bounty hunter introduced in The Empire Strikes Back. It's Bosk. And anyone who says anything else is just trying desperately not to say Bosk. Because it's Bosk. <laughs> Alright, number six. Would you rather go on a date with Princess Leia or Carrie Fisher? Carrie Fisher. <laughs> uh, just the stories and I I think she just I think I would annoy Princess Leia too much. And she would make sure that I knew I was annoying her. <laughs> I, I think Carrie Fisher would probably be slightly more polite to my being me. After the second presidential debate, <laughs> Donald Trump's notorious sniffling, uh, somebody tweeted to Carrie Fisher. They're like, do you think he's a cokehead? And her response was, take it from one who knows. Absolutely. Yeah. And th- this this is the woman who John Belushi <laughs> told to slow down. So if there's anyone who qualifies as a coke expert, <laughs> I would say it's Carrie Fisher. And the final question, if you had the force, would you be pulled to the light side or the dark side? Okay, light side, but for the worst reason. The Jedi power that I would abuse the ever-living heck out of would be the Jedi mind trick. And apparently, free will manipulation is perfectly okay and you stay on light side. Because what does dark side get you? Force lightning and force choke. I'm not that vicious. I'm more manipulative. And you're allowed to do that and stay on the light side. Fair enough. Obi-Wan and Luke both use that pretty spreadily. All, all over the place. And that that's totally the one I would just spam the heck out of. But that doesn't make you a dark Jedi. I'm good. Light side. No, I'm totally side of the angels. You will not question my morals. <laughs> all right. All right, Nathaniel. Thank you very much for being my guest on this episode. Where can people find you online or in the podcast realm if they want to hear more from you? Well, um, basically, best way to find myself is to look for Council of Geeks. That will lead you to the Council of Geeks podcast feed, which is home to roundtable discussions um, with you and occasionally Paul Scavito. Um, that is that feed is also home to 90s comics retrial there's also the council of geeks youtube page which gets updated the most frequently um and finally is over a thousand subscribers um and um as you mentioned there is the newly launched punch like a girl podcast that is a separate feed that has its own feed separate from the council of geeks um but both of those podcasts punch like a girl and council of geeks are available through itunes and stitcher yeah, thank you very much. Give Me Those Star Wars is a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Feedback for the show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or the Facebook page for Give Me Those Star Wars. You can find me on Twitter at RyanDaily01 or you can send an email to rdailypodcast at gmail.com. Part of the theme music for this podcast is performed by the Evil Genius Orchestra from their album Star Wars Cocktails in the Cantina, available for purchase on iTunes and at Amazon Music. That and all other music, audio clips, or quoted texts are used for entertainment purposes and believed covered under fair use. Give Me Those Star Wars is not affiliated with Disney or Lucasfilm, and I make no money from this podcast, so no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you.